It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackReport.com. Part of the Scout.com network, which we use some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Thank you, as always, for listening and making the Lockdown Network the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. If you're a newcomer to the show, I am the only uh, Packers beat writer with a daily podcast. I'm here every Monday through Friday. And going back further for Pack Report, we were created by Ray Nitschke back in 1972. At that point, it was uh, Ray Nitschke's pro report, and he was still a member of the Packers. He actually announced his retirement in Ray Nitschke's pro report. So, frankly, this is the only way I would ever ever fall in the shoes of, of the great Ray Nitschke, who I only met once back at the old Packer Report headquarters on Oneida Street. I used to do page layout back in, ah, gosh, I don't, the mid-1990s. I was doing layout for the old magazine, and, and Ray came in and, I don't screw that up, he said. So, uh, that's what, about my, the only time I ever talked to Ray. Anyways, if, you're, uh, if you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And check out the rest of the Lockdown Network, which includes Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, and Lockdown Titans to get you ready for Sunday's game. So I'm about ready to say we've got a big show today, but of course we have a big show, right? I mean, what, what else would I say to you? Yeah, we've got a crappy show for you. <laughs> you only need to listen for the first five minutes. In the other 20, you can, uh, you can skip. No, we actually have a, have a good show today. On second down, just how hot is the hot seat for Mike McCarthy? Third down, the decline of the defense. And fourth down, can the Packers get this figured out? But first, it's first down, and they look at some of the uh, roster moves from yesterday and what, be, what could be coming up here uh, later this week. In case you missed it, the Packers released uh, safety Jermaine Whitehead, a, a first-year player, and replaced him on the roster by promoting Joe Carriage, a fullback. Whitehead, the scapegoat. I don't even, I don't even want to say scapegoat. I mean, on, on the opening kickoff, Whitehead runs out of his lane and gets so far out of his lane that the that the Colts guy who blocks him blocks him into right into Kyler Fackrell. So it became one blocker took out two guys, and that basically started all the calamity that followed with with the uh, with Jordan Todman, a mediocre career kickoff return guy going untouched for ninety nine yards for a touchdown. So that's so I want to say scapegoat. I mean I, I remember. Yeah, a year or two ago, Bob McGinn writing a column for the Journal Sentinel, you know, commenting that Ted Thompson never makes any roster moves. He doesn't hold anybody accountable. And, he, and, he, and the premise was that maybe players had gotten too comfortable. Well, maybe not. How does <laughs> Jermaine Whitehead after one gigantic gaffe um, against once again taking his place on a roster of Joe Carriage? He's an undrafted fullback out of Michigan. Spent training camp at the Redskins, and the Packers signed him to the practice squad in early October. He will be a special teams guy. He will basically take Whitehead's spot as a special teams guy in the roster. A possible upcoming move would be the signing of running back Joyke Bell. 
I know Ian Rappaport of, of NFL Network put on Twitter on Sunday before Sunday's game something along the lines of, help us on the way the Packers are going to sign Joyke Bell on Monday. Well, that didn't turn out to be accurate. It was about as accurate as his um, report that Randall Cobb wasn't going to play on Sunday. <laughs> so, but, but uh, Bell is working out on Tuesday for the team, I was told. From 2012 through 2015 with the Lions, Bell rushed for 2,241 yards and caught 161 passes during those, those four years. Really, I mean, he fits the mold. I mean, he's like he's what the Packers like. Packers like big running backs who can catch and block, and at 220 pounds, and with that four-year average of 40 catches, I mean, he he certainly fits the build. Of course, the question here is what what does he have left in the tank? Look, no matter who you sign off the street at this time of year, there's a reason why they are a street free agent. It means that they're they're not good enough to be on someone's team for whatever reason. Um. Bell, the last time he played was 2015. Well, the first time he re- last time he really played was 2015 for the Lions. 90 carries, 311 yards. That's a 3.5 yard average and 22 catches. He was a cap casualty back in February. So those aren't those aren't great numbers. And then you look at he's 30, which as everybody knows is the uh, mythical running back wall where all running backs suddenly instantly suck the minute they get to 30. Although Frank Gore at age 33 seems to have avoided that from the Colts. But regardless, he is 30. And you go back to that 2010 scouting combine. At the time, he was the reigning Division II player of the year out of Wayne State. You know, back as a kid, he or not as a kid, but as a, you know, he, he had served as a, uh, secu- I think, believe, I believe it was a security card for the Lions. So he was, uh, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation. At, at the 2010 combine, he ran... A 4-7-140. So he's never been a speed guy. And now he's age 30 and has you know, run the ball 500 yards in his career. Probably not any faster. Got a couple of the Lions in February. Landed with the Bears. Made their roster for a few weeks. Three carries, six yards, and, and that was that. So the Packers do sign Bell uh, today or later this week. They'll have to make another roster move. And you know, the, the, the one spot where the Packers do have depth would be on the defensive line. Christian Ringo would be the, the sixth guy there. Yeah, he was inactive against the Colts on Sunday. Of course, the Titans are a run-first offense, so you may, maybe you want to have the extra D lineman for the, for the Titans on Sunday. But that, that is the one spot where you really do have a little bit of quote-unquote fat on the roster. All right, on to second down. How hot is the hot seat for Mike McCarthy? I think it's a, a fascinating question. You, you know, my, my I live in a... In a vacuum in, in a way where my, my only conversation about the Packers is at Lambeau Field with talking to players and coaches. And then beyond that, my, my, my only feel for what's going on with the team, you know, outside of the stadium is Twitter. And I don't, I don't know if Twitter is a, a accurate representation of the anger at the fans. And I also have the, the fan forums over at PackReport.com. I hate to rule those out. And, you know, the one thing I've, figured out over the years is people people would rather complain than than be complimentary so again i don't know what to make out of you know, all the people criticizing mccarthy and the coaches on twitter and the and the increasingly um i don't even want to say frustrated frustrated slash angry tone of the fans through twitter in my forums over at pack report you know i don't know what to make out of that um although i do i always do find it interesting you know, this you know the big knock on, on on Mike McCarthy is his scheme and play calling. You know what? 
I didn't get a single one of those questions. Not one, not a single comment about scheme and play calling. When the Packers scored 26 points against the Bears a couple weeks ago and ran the ball up and, or not ran, moved the ball up and down the field for most of that game in the entire second half. And I didn't get a single comment about Mike McCarthy's out-of-date scheme and crappy play calling when they had when they were depleted against Atlanta last week and scored all those points and couldn't really be stopped until the end of the game. Not, not, a, not a word. It's interesting that apparently the only time that Mike, apparently, the only time Mike McCarthy is a, runs a bad scheme and is a crappy play caller is when the offense struggles. And, you know, when, apparently the rest of the time when they move the ball well, that's surely by accident or something. So it's, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic. I will say this, here's my philosophy, and I've shared this with you before on coaching. I go back to Bill Belichick. When he was the head coach of the Browns, what happened to Belichick? Well, he got fired. Why did he get fired? Because the Browns stunk. Why did the Browns stink? Was it because Belichick was a bad coach, or is it because he had no quarterback? Well, he had no quarterback. And Benny Testaverde is probably the best guy he had with the Browns. So he gets run out of Cleveland. You know, serves as D coordinator for a couple of years and gets a, gets another shot with the Patriots. Did Bill Belichick suddenly become wise beyond his years and he use all that experience with Cleveland? And did he, did he really learn something during those three or four seasons with Cleveland? Or did he get a quarterback? Well, yeah, he got a quarterback. He, he lucked himself into Tom Brady. And away we go. And the Patriots are a dynasty. You know, probably the best team. Since the Bill Walsh, Joe Montana 49ers, and then beyond that, the, the 60s Lombardi Packers. I mean, they are in that group of the top three franchises of the last 50 years. And I'm not knocking Belichick and saying he's not a great coach, because he's a great coach, and he is, he's one with all sorts of different players, and he's adapted, and when guys are out there, when he is in a league of his own as a coach, and so I'm not downplaying this, but play, but what I guess what I'm ultimately getting to here is, is players win games. And that's not to dismiss the role of the coach. But ultimately, players win football games. And look at look no further than Sunday's game against the Colts. Was it Mike McCarthy that went out there and dropped a perfect bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Jeff Janis for what should have been a 75-yard touchdown? Did Mike McCarthy drop that pass? No, he did not. Did Dom Capers miss the sack of Andrew Luck that would have given, given Aaron Rodgers in the offense one last shot to beat the Colts on Sunday? No, he did not. Was it Ron Zook who had a crappy kickoff and then botched the kickoff coverage like Jermaine Whitehead? No, it wasn't. They had nothing to do with any of that stuff. Um, and it's not crediting McCarthy for having a great play call, which got Janice. And it's not crediting Capers for having a great play call, which should have sacked Luck. It's just the reality of it. You can call what you can call whatever play you want. You can run whatever scheme you want. And ultimately, it doesn't matter. If, if, if it play, either A, a player screws it up, or B, you can have a crappy call up, and the quarterback or, or your top playmaker or whoever will make a better play and save the coordinator's ass, or butt, excuse me, <laughs> and, and make the play. So, with that said, Mike McCarthy's in his 11th year. And I think it's fair to say that this, that this franchise has, at best, has stagnated. At worst, it's going the wrong way. And it was, you know, I, there's some interesting things going on up there. You know, look at, after the game on Sunday, uh, McCarthy told the players 
that the energy level on the field wasn't good enough. So at that talking point, Aaron Rodgers comes up to his press conference after the game on Sunday and tells the reporters that the energy level wasn't good enough. It's inexcusable and all that. And, you know, Brian Blaga mentioned it himself. Clearly, he listened to the coach and, and you know, took that tone as well. So on Monday, and McCarthy's asked about the energy level in, in, in light of what Rodgers and Blaga had said. And, and then McCarthy says, well, you know, upon watching the game on film, I, I thought the energy level was fine. Well, how does that happen? Do you somehow get a better gauge of the energy level watching the game on tape compared to watching it live? That that it's, it was weird, and part of me thought that you know the lack of energy comment will be spun by the fans is a knock on McCarthy, and of course that's exactly how it was spun by the fans. It was it was a knock on McCarthy. Ah, the coach didn't get the team ready to go. I'm gonna go for another tangent here on, on this. And I'm gonna sound like and I, and I did this a bit in, in the podcast with Keith after the game on on Sunday night. I'm going to go all Al Bundy for you Married with Children fans from way back in the day. And I know podcast listeners as a demographic are younger. And you might not know about Married with Children, but Al Bundy would always talk about his high school playing days. Back, back when I played football. Well, back when I played football, I, at Burlington High School, I played with under Don Dalton. He's a Hall of Fame coach. And in college, I played at UW-Whitewater, a Division three program, coached by Bob Brezowitz, a Hall of Fame coach. So I, that was a you know combined uh, six years there with, with those guys. I cannot tell you a single post or pregame speech. The the notion of, of the great Rob Rob pregame speech is is a total Hollywood thing. It doesn't happen. If you're a coach, you can't go out and you know have, speak with piss and vinegar and you know go with all these cliches and fire them up stories and rah 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 crap. That's that act is going to wear old. And players are going are gonna, to, you know, ignore that, tune that out pronto. So I ultimately, I don't know. I mean, is it the coach? Is it up to the coach to bring the energy to the field, or is it up to the players to be ready? I, I don't know. I again, I, I tend to think that's a player thing, but I guess it's neither here nor there. If McCarthy says the energy is fine, so I, I thought that was interesting. And and second, the second odd thing is the injury situation. You, you go back to. You know, for years and years and years and years, these guys would, would err on the side of caution. And if you are a banged up player, the team would take a the team would take a big picture approach and not play you it's to make sure that you're ready and healthy and, and as hundred percent as possible for the games that matter. You know, late November, going into December, and, and into January for the playoffs. Well, they, they didn't do that with Eddie Lacy, and you know, and then the the fall off Matt as Lacy needs ankle surgery, and he may, maybe he plays in the playoffs, or maybe he's undone for the year. You know, Demarius Randall. You know, he he play he plays. You know, week after dropping out with a groin injury, injures it worse and needs surgery. You know, is would those things have happened without McCarthy playing those guys? Uh, who knows? I mean, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, you say, you, what are you playing those guys for? I, I don't know if that was the right call or not. I mean, your your instinct to say is the Packers screwed that up, and then you go to go to Sunday's game where. Randall Cobb doesn't play. Randall Cobb is questionable. He, he didn't play against Atlanta. He's questionable for Sunday against the Colts. He's active for the game, but he doesn't play the entire first half. And it's an unseasonably warm night in November, but it's still a night in November. It's mid-50s. It's damp. And he spends the entire first half, you know, bouncing around the sideline, trying to keep himself warm. He doesn't play. You know, and they, then it's halftime. The Packers are losing. And then he plays the second half. You know, he played 23 snaps the second half. 
you know, and I, and I understood McCarthy not playing him again for what I said before. You know, there are you, you come into this game figuring you you know look the offense scored points against Atlanta and they moved the ball up and down the field against Atlanta without Cobb. You figure you could do it again against the Colts. The Colts defense is just as bad as the Falcons defense. You know, go do it. You know, don't play with Cobb. Get him healthy and ready for the games that matter. So I, I understood not playing him, but then I didn't understand playing him then. I mean, it's you know, and it's not a seventy-five degree day where you're nice and limber. You know, fortunately he didn't get hurt or aggravated anything apparently. But I didn't understand that. And then, then after the game, Cobb says he didn't know what his role was. Aaron Rodgers said he didn't know what Cobb's role was. I mean, those those are two guys who really should know what, what Cobb's role is, right? So on, on Monday, McCarthy said, "Well, it was because you know Cobb really was a game time decision where he was doing the inactives lists, which are due ninety minutes before the game." And he really didn't know up until that point what to do with Cobb. And he, you know, based on Cobb's pregame work, he activated Cobb and he made some um, last-second changes to the call sheet and game plan to, to incorporate Cobb. But, you know, Cobb didn't really know. Rodgers didn't know. And, God, those are guys who need to know, don't they? So that that's it's weird. And it's just some of those weird things piling up to make you wonder. And then, you know, you look at the, the big picture here. So it's going 6-0 and to start last season. They're 8-10. They're and 10. In your last 18 regular season games, and if you go to the plush, they're you're, they're nine and eleven. Nine and eleven with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. And, and the quarterback clearly is not playing to that level. Now, is that scheme? Is that, you know, just the voices getting stale in Rodgers' head? And does he need something new? I I'm tempted to go down this road, guys. I, you know, for all you people who are ticked off at McCarthy and you know, wasn't that South Park skit of blame Canada, or is it blame is it blame McCarthy? So I, I'm I'm getting more and more to that point. To be honest with you, where you know maybe maybe it's time to make a change. Not right now. Um, Mike McCarthy, I think, certainly deserves the chance to finish this sucker out. And you know, if you're going to blame Mike McCarthy, I mean, you certainly have to blame Ted Thompson, right? And we'll get into more of this down the road because this segment's getting really long, but. I mean, Ted Thompson's done Mike McCarthy no favors this year. So well, let's let's see what happens. Let's, let's get Jared Cook back. You know, and you know James Starks will get back. Maybe Joyke Bell can help him at running back if they sign him. You know, Clay Mathis is going to get back and help the defense. Let's let's give McCarthy his horses here and, and see if see if anything changes. But if not, and if you're uh, team president Mark Murphy, is it time to start listening to the unruly masses? out there who are demanding change and to seriously consider uh, making a change if this team doesn't get its act together, you know, by January. And this segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by me. That's PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. Not only do Packer, Packer Report members get that, but they get 10% discounts on tickets through Ticketmonster and 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics annual members. Um, whether you renew your membership or you uh, get a new annual membership, you get Sports Illustrated. That's 50 issues of Sports Illustrated, plus all the stuff over at SI.com. A unbelievable deal, and I thank all of you who have taken advantage of that. And I know I know you can get your Packers news for free everywhere, but I really appreciate you taking the plunge on Packer Report and, and the kind words you've sent me about. That preview really is the world's best preview, so I appreciate that. And if your business would like to talk directly to Packers fans, you really should be uh, consider sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers has a growing and loyal listenership and reasonable advertising rates. 
And you know how loyal and passionate Packers fans are, right? And recent research shows that 65% of podcast listeners said that the ads increased their likelihood of purchasing a product, and 45% 45% said they often visited a sponsor's website after hearing a message. So if you'd like to know more about that stuff and advertising rates and demographics and all that kind of good stuff, email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. That's packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. And that goes for all of you. If you've got a question, you can reach me there or on Twitter over at, with a, uh, at Packer Report is my name over there on Twitter. And that takes us to third down in the state of the defense. I remember Mike Daniels and, 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 some of these, and Clay Mathis and some of these guys entering this year said this was the year, you know, they've been building, you know, the second half of 2014 was great, and it really was. You know, they did a lot of great things last year, again, during the second half of the year, and this would be the year that the defense wouldn't play second fiddle to Aaron Rodgers, and this defense would be not an impediment on the way to victory, but a reason for victory. Now, here we are halfway through the year. Green Bay's 4-4, four and four, and they're 18th in scoring. After the game on Sunday, Mike Daniels flipped out. Not with us, but he was in the showers. I was talking, we were, not I, but a bunch of us are talking to Randall Cobb, and now you hear a bunch of F-bombs coming from the shower area. Uh, Daniels did not talk to us after the game on Sunday. He did talk to us on Monday, much calmer guy, Mike Daniels, who we all know and love as reporters, who when he's on his game from an uh, interview perspective, he is great. He is the heartbeat of that team. He was really good on Monday, and he's asked about the outburst. He goes, you know what? I didn't think you guys heard me. Well, I'm thinking to myself, that's BS. I mean, everybody, everybody in the world heard you. Uh, back to Daniels here. Some things in the locker room ought to stay in amongst us peers, but it got out. Yeah, of course I'm pissed, you know? There's no other, there's no other way around it. Everybody is. Coaches, players. We've got to come together and figure this thing out. And, a lot, and his anger here comes from this defense just not playing up to his standards. and I, I think, well, I shouldn't say I think, I mean, I know they entered that Colts game figuring they had the advantage, especially up front against, you know, Andrew Luck had been sacked a league high 31 times. They're missing two starting O-linemen. They should win. I mean, the, the, those guys should win up front. And they didn't do it. I mean, they got some pretty good pressure on, on Luck, and especially in the second half, but it took some blitzing to get there. So uh, Daniels was asked, was he mad because, you know, they... They're underperforming. He goes, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. We should have played much better and done a lot of things better, and we didn't. We didn't. We all, we're all we all held accountable. I hold myself accountable. I didn't get home, and that goes for everybody. The matchups were there. You could see it on paper. We didn't take advantage of it. Quite frankly, it's embarrassing. We've got to be better. If it doesn't piss you off, then that's an issue. I think we have a lot of people who are pretty angry. And, the, you know, the million-dollar question here, and I asked Daniels this, is how are you guys going to respond? Actually, I didn't ask him. But I actually asked Dom Capers. He, someone else asked him, the, uh, the, how are we going to respond to this? And, again, another great quote from, from Daniels. I'll read it to you. Well, like I told you guys before, why do I read quotes? It's because the NFL gives us 24 hours and 90 seconds uh, of audio slash video, and you have to take the stuff down so I'm, Sorry, guys, I'm not going to come back and edit out a podcast, so I'll, I will read you quotes. So how, how are they going to respond? And he says, it, it's got to be a violent one. It has to be noticeable. Like, the t- like this team is pissed off. They're angry. Somebody pissed in their Cheerios this morning. You know what I mean? That's what it's got to be. 
when you step on the field. It has to be noticeable. And it's not then, excuse me, and if it's not then, we're not getting it done. So then I asked Dom Capers later, I go, well, you know, what do you think the response is going to be? And, you know, Dom with a good answer here and, and a good historical perspective on, on things. We've been in these situations before over the, over the eight years that I've been here. I think the first year that I was here, I think we were four and four after eight games, and we turned it around and won seven out of eight. You just have to go back to work and build on the things that you're doing and find a way to make those things, make those plays at critical times in the game. That's life in the NFL, and you've got the right kind of guys. You focus on what you can do this week. Going to Tennessee and playing a Tennessee offense has been very productive. We've got to find a way to go down and make plays at the critical times in the game. And that, to me, is the essence. They've got to find the ways to make plays. And that takes us right to fourth down. And this is a team that hasn't made the plays. I mean, look at the Atlanta game last week. The Falcons need a touchdown to win the game. And they drive down the field like it's a non-contact 7-on-7 drill in, in the spring. It was the easiest touchdown drive you've ever seen in a clutch situation. The Falcons didn't have any big plays. They just marched the ball down the field like there was no defense there. It was It was horrible. You know, I, I, when when the game is there for the taking, make a play, make a stand, and, and they, they they never got close. It was you know Matt Ryan. Like I said, he's probably had easier seven on seven drills in, in, in his, at, at practice with the Falcons. Then you go to the Indy game. It's third and ten. Packers have the momentum. They're they're coming back. They've got a shot to get off the field on third and ten and give the offense one last shot. And Clinton Dix as to use a Dom Capers phrase, was flat free, totally unblocked. It was a great call. It was a great execution. He did everything besides sack the quarterback. You've got to make the plays to win football games, and this team hasn't done it. It's a shame that Clinton Dix didn't make it because he had a great game. But, you know, and it's not just two games, right? You go back to 2011, the Packers are 15-1, and playing the Giants in the playoffs. They ended up losing 37-20, but they, there were plays in that game to be made. And they didn't make them. And they ended up getting blown out there because they, they didn't make the plays to make to keep it close in the, in the second half. 2013, the, the overtime loss to the, to the 49ers. It's third down, and, and they've got a shot to get off the field, and Kaepernick you know, breaks contain and, and gets the first down. And they drive down and kick the winning field goal, and the game's over. The 2014 NFC Championship, the defense is great for 56 minutes. And the offense should have won that game 28 times earlier. And the special teams blew it. But again, the defense has a chance. And they, and they end up melting down late. And they get the, the game-losing and season-ending touchdown in, in overtime. 2015 against the Cardinals. The defense played great to keep a totally overmatched off Packers offense in the game. Long enough for, for the Hail Mary touchdown to, to uh, Janice to get the game to overtime. The defense was great against a great 49 or, or great 49ers. A great Cardinals offense. They get to overtime. Demarius Randall blows a coverage. You know they missed three tackles, including Clay Matthews at the sideline, and boom, games games over. So I mean, who do you blame? I mean, the coaches didn't screw that stuff up, but when it happens again and again and again, you 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 start thinking this isn't working. You know, and I and I love Dom Capers. You know, my job isn't. I mean, I get the. I, I love because he's so high. I love Dom Capers because he's incredibly helpful to us. And when you're when he's helpful to us, that means we're helpful to you as the reader slash listener, and we can tell you what's going on. And as a code and as writers, we appreciate that. I mean, Edgar Bennett, the offensive coordinator, 
He doesn't tell us anything. And you know, ultimately, this isn't about me as a reporter. It's about me as a reporter helping you, the fan, understand what's going on. And Dom is great about that. So I'm, I, in a perfect world, I don't want to see Capers get fired because he's he's great. But when all this stuff happens again and again and again, and, and, they, and they're constantly not making plays at crunch time, you'll wonder if changes need to be made. Again, I'm not saying make a change now. You know, the guy doesn't have any corners. That's, that's, then that's a Ted Thompson thing. He doesn't have Clay Matthews. It's hard to play winning defense when you're without. Look, if you can't rush the passer and you can't sack the quarterback, good luck, right? So can they get this thing figured out? You know, Julius Peppers spoke pretty optimistically after the game. I mean, he was the calm, soothing voice in the locker room on Sunday that they'll get it figured out. And they got half the season and all their goals are in front of them. And that's true because NFC North sucks. And they and they, and they got a fight and shot at this thing yet. And here's a Latroy. You know, I said, I said a Latroy guy after the game. I said, you know, Julius Peppers a minute ago said you're going to get it figured out. I mean, what do you think? And, and Guyan was hurt, hurt by this game. I mean, he was, I mean, he sat in his locker for 15 minutes, fully clothed. You could just see the, the dismay and frustration and disgust in his face. He was, he took this loss about as hard as anybody on this team. So I asked Guyan, you know, is Julius right? And he goes, yes. And he says, and I go, why? Because we're Green Bay and we'll get it together. We're not out of it. We've just got to keep pushing. Got to start games faster, finish them stronger. We start doing that, we'll turn this wheel. And to me, this is the billion-dollar question, is can they get it figured out, or is this season going to go down the drain and there's going to be wide-scale change in January? And with that, that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Once again, check out the rest of the Locked On Network. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. And, of course, read my stuff over at PackerReport.com. Thanks for listening, have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.